Black Ambition was the biggest like advocate for what we were doing that let the world know that, hey, these guys exist and what they're doing is amazing. You might want to check it out. A lot of people never knew we existed before Black Ambition. And I'm fine with that. I think that's one of the most gratifying things about how important Black Ambition is that like as great of an idea it is and as great as our people are, we're talented in so many different ways. And it's okay to get help letting people know you exist. Welcome to So Ambitious, a podcast series about what's possible when Black and Latinx founders can build uninterrupted. I'm your host, Felicia Hatcher. I'm an author, an entrepreneur, an investor, and a mom. I'm also the CEO of Black Ambition, a nonprofit initiative founded by the Pharrell Williams, working to close the opportunity and wealth gap for Black and Latinx communities through entrepreneurship. In today's episode, we hear from Justin Turk and Andre Davis, the 2021 winners of the Black Ambition $1 million grand prize. Justin Turk is the founder of Logistics, a company that is revolutionizing the construction industry, and Andre Davis is the company CFO. Today, Justin and Andre will share insights on beginning their fundraising from their friends and family, something that's rare for Black and Latinx founders, as well as how to anticipate success and what to do once you've reached it. But first, let's start at the beginning of Justin's journey. My first memories of entrepreneurship um, as a child, my father, my grandfather um, had our own construction company. It was called Turks Paving. Uh, so it was an asphalt paving company. And at one point, it was the largest minority owned paving company in Michigan, which I think is pretty cool. We also had um, the Detroit West Club. My grandfather and father started. It was a uh, professional network of individuals in Detroit. And as a child, you know, I remember leaving school uh, and sitting at the bar, having a Shirley Temple, having a Sprite with a little bit of grenadine in it and listening to the music at the Detroit West Club while my father was over with my grandfather, you know, counting the books from construction. I would always sit there and those were always my earliest memories of knowing that everything around me, people, you know, called me young. They knew me as Robert Turk's grandson or Gail Turk's son because they all worked for him. So I thought that was always, um, you know, pretty cool to grow up as. So I have a similar background to Justin in that my dad and my uncle are construction entrepreneurs. And I didn't fully understand what entrepreneurship was back in the day when they first started their companies. I just knew that they worked really long hours. My dad would miss my basketball games and he would come home dirty every single day. Uh, But they were building, literally building an empire for our families and have become some of the most successful people in our families through construction. So I relate to Justin's story of growing up in that really well. When Justin was growing up, he got a jumpstart into the business industry by being a part of Amway, a multi-level marketing company that sells health and home care products. Back in like the late 80s, early 90s, I literally um, went to every Amway event um, imaginable in the Midwest. We were young in Amway, but we saw all this enthusiasm, this excitement of people being a part of something, but also owning their own business, being a part of something like that really um, um, was something that laid the groundwork that I knew eventually I wanted to be a part of building something on my own. Still, Justin didn't get into construction right away. Uh, My uncle was working in Silicon Valley and I got to see him. I was in Las Vegas for a family um, trip and we were together and he talked me into going to computer science. He knew, um, you know, I was strong in math sciences and, and he was already working in Silicon Valley 
as a developer, so I became a software developer. Fortunately, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Justin was working as a software developer, but when he had time off from those responsibilities, he got right back into construction work. Now, in playing football and in the summertime, um, you don't get a lot of time to work full-time job. So I remember uh, one summer specifically, uh, I would work, uh, and, I, and me and a couple of teammates would actually go home and work on the weekends construction because we made more money in Michigan working Fridays all day and Saturdays rather than taking a full-time job, working the midnight shift at Walmart, removing shelves off of the wall. So I stayed in the construction industry, even though I was away from it, uh, working intern in software development. But um, it wasn't long after that when my father, he almost, he decided he was about to go, about to go into business for himself. Um, I decided to, to, to join up with him. He ended up um, staying and, and being coerced into joining another company. And I went back and got my master's degree uh, in civil engineering, construction management. And I ended up getting in construction. At that point, Justin had been in construction for almost 20 years and had worked almost every job in the industry. Engineering, estimator, project manager. He had firsthand experience in all the repetitive and monotonous tasks that make up the daily realities of this kind of work, like taking the inventory of lumber and steel or collecting truck tickets to know how much material is entering a site. Eventually, Justin realized how much money and time was wasted in those tedious tasks. I also had to sit in litigation for things I had nothing to do with. As a project manager, if, a, if somebody on my, my team didn't do exactly what they're supposed to do, I'm the person that's got to spend hours talking about it. Or if, if we didn't uh, document something properly, I'm fighting over millions of dollars in claims with a department that I shouldn't have to, even though we did the work. So when you think about that, literally people are disputing contracts. A lot of it is if you don't have your right documentation, you're not going to win that dispute in the contract. And the construction industry is like the wild, wild west. Nobody's keeping processes in place. They're just doing whatever. I was tired of getting beat up, tired of doing so much work or having a department that did so much work, so many people involved and only being semi-accurate, not being 100%, not being 99.99, being like 80% accurate. Building on his direct experience and his frustration with the industry, Justin started to think about how he could make things much more efficient. What if he could create a software that would automate these labor-intensive tasks and then sell it as a service to businesses to help them perform better? The idea for Logistics was born. One of the first people to really see the genius of this idea was Andre, Justin's childhood friend. Me and Andre Nelly since we were five years old, and you know I was his recruiting host in college, so we played ball together um, at Bowling Green. We were, we were good friends. You know we uh, known each other a long time. When his mother, uh, before his mother passed away, she actually bought us Amway kits in college. She bought these kits because she said, "Hey, you guys need to start a business together." And Justin and I, we, we stayed in contact after college. This is Andre Davis, current CFO of Logistics. Um, and he brought me this idea of Logistics one day. And we were just talking. We go to the same church. And so we were just talking actually at church one day. And he started talking to me about um, Logistics. Let's go start something special. Unlike Justin, Andre did not come from a family of business entrepreneurs. I didn't grow up necessarily with uncles who owned businesses or Guys who were in corporate America, you know, you know, I, I was the first one to graduate from college out of my family. You know, I had a hard upbringing. I come from a family of we had uh, I got seven siblings, pretty much raised by you know a, a single mom. You know, she would do everything she could in order to make ends meet. So Andre had to learn from the experience he created for himself. When I when I started my, my professional career, at Ernst Young, and I went ahead and I got certified as a as a CPA 
And I saw a lot of different industries as an auditor. I learned a tremendous amount about a lot of different industries. When Andre heard about Justin's idea for the first time after a church service, he was hooked. I took a step back and I took the fact that he's my friend out of the equation. So here it is, somebody who is a con- construction, civil demo expert at a very high level, um, who just happens to uh, be a computer science major and understands the geek language, right? So I have had in my career up until that point, a lot of software that's been presented to me just in different roles as a vice president or a CFO of other organizations that you can tell just built by tech people who didn't understand an industry, or it was, it was built by tech people who didn't hire or built by industry people who didn't have good tech people involved. And so this was a unicorn. Once the two friends decided to make this idea a reality, they knew they needed to raise some capital. But even before that, they had to test the idea to make sure it could work. Using his skills in computer science and software development, Justin put together the first prototype for Livegistics and pitched it to his very first client, a company he had worked with in the past. So our prototype was working and um, we didn't have, that was our first check. We were like, oh man, somebody paid us for this. Like this is, this is like already, this is good. Pain points being marked. So it was early on, but we knew that we needed to invest a lot of capital. When you're a new founder like Justin and Andre, it can feel hard to navigate the world of fundraising for the first time. Where's the money? And how do you get it? For Justin, he decided to start closest to home with the people who knew him best. I remember it was my mother's. My mother was turning 70 years old and it was 2018. And um, my mother's the oldest of 13. She's the oldest of 13. And they, had a, they were having a surprise party for us. So I had a ton of family in town. And they couldn't go over to my parents' house because my mother wasn't supposed to know they were in town. So I had this barbecue at the house. And I was like, perfect. I got like all my, my aunts and my uncles and a lot of my cousins here. I'm going to pitch my idea for um, live. Just now, mind you, at this point, they didn't know what I was pitching. I, I literally put a PowerPoint presentation on the board and I talk about, you know, why logistics was going to be like, and I don't use the word unicorn, but I knew it was going to be exceptional. And I was very confident that this was the right way to go because I was literally living it. And it worked. That I actually had uh, family members who were really interested and talked to even um, some some people who weren't family, some friends who were really interested, people I went to high school. And I thought, man, if people I went to high school who I'm friends with were willing to invest dollars in what I'm doing, we might really be on the stuff. Because those are some people to convince your family and your friends to give you money. Because they're like, no, man, I know you. I was with you last week. I'm not giving you no money. But like when they when they put it on paper, made a lot of sense to them. You know, we raised $144,000. Let's give a shout out to Justin for raising that amount of money from friends and family. That was a right move for him and often something that investors expect founders to do in early stages of developing their business. However, considering the wealth gap between white and black or Latinx families, this option is often not available for founders in our communities. But if you can, you should shoot your shot with your family and friends to invest. You'd be surprised. And here's some advice from Justin on exactly how to do it. No matter what the amount is, keep it professional. I treated all my family members and my friends professionally. Like I treated it like, hey, if you're interested, let me know. If you're not interested, I'll see you at Thanksgiving. I always used to say, what do black and brown founders do when their friends and family can only give them a round of applause and not an actual round of funding, which is a reality for most of our founders. Justin knew what he wanted and he didn't get caught up if a friend or relative refused to invest. 
He didn't take it personally and you shouldn't either. Now it was time for him and Andre to move past the friends and family round to the next stage of funding. Right after uh, we raised 144000 you know, that's not a lot of money, especially when we're talking about building a SaaS platform. Um, and the types of customers that Justin and his relationships was bringing to Logistics, we weren't starting with mom and pop operations. These, some of them were publicly traded companies. So with that, there's a high level of, of service that's expected. So we knew we needed to raise more money, you know. And so uh, after the friends and family round, we did go down a venture back path because it made the most sense. It fit best with the organization. And it was, it was definitely the right path. Mind you, neither Andre nor Justin had any experience in raising venture capital. I didn't have a I didn't have a venture capital Rolodex. I didn't know like the angel investors were around the corner. I had no 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 idea what any of that meant. I knew that people use fundraising to support businesses in tech. You know, I came from a heavy manufacturing background. Um, and so I, I had a traditional banking mindset as far as raising capital. I wasn't exposed to, didn't spend any time with VC, angel investing, and you know, the private equity and all that kind of stuff. For all of you out there who just like Andre and Justin, when they started out, are confused about all the talk of venture capital, here's a quick explainer. Venture capital is a type of financing that investors provide to emerging businesses with long-term growth potential. It's a kind of funding that can be very useful for companies that are ready to receive VC funding. It's a financial investment in exchange for equity in your business to help you rapidly accelerate growth and, of course, ensure a return to the investors and stakeholders. It is not right for every type of business. The first substantial investor to back Logistics was an angel investor. Angel investors are affluent individuals who invest their own funds into early stage startup ventures. Often, they are willing to invest at an early stage of the business, which makes them a good option to raise money before going into venture capital. Again, Justin was able to leverage his network. Fortunate enough for us, um, we had an advisor who happened to be my coworker's aunt. She was, she was running an uh, angel um, investment fund in Ann Arbor. Uh, Linda Fingerly, uh, and she ran Tapping Hill. She was the first angel investment funding that actually wrote a check uh, into our organization. And then she started to educate us on the venture capital world quite a bit. We were fortunate enough to get somebody who wanted to help us, and then we made sure they helped us. Like, we asked as many questions as possible. By that time, it's early 2020. Justin and Andre have built a prototype, signed their first client, raised money from friends and family, and from an angel investor who also gave them precious mentoring. These are all huge achievements, but they are still both working full-time in their respective jobs, and all the money from logistics is being reinvested into the company and technology. None of this is going to them. There were some moments like, did the check clear? Like, they were like, like we had to pay the developers, like, we'll pay you on Tuesday, we ain't paying you on Monday. Like, it was like that. At this point in time, you got to understand, we, yeah, we have people who gave us convertible note checks, right? And we were talking about raising C round. It wasn't nobody was taking us seriously? Not to the extent of like, let me get in your uh, your meeting invite. Let me hurry up and, and meet with you. I know when are you guys raising? Nobody was asking those questions. We were seeking out people to see if they were interested in what we were doing, but nobody was at that point seeking out us. And there's this part of you and I asked it in Transparent Collective, like, man, are people not listening to us because we black? It's hard for many black and brown founders to navigate mentally what's happening when they start working through the venture process. 
It's very easy for them to internalize the no's, the closed doors, the unanswered emails, the unanswered phone calls, and the cold shoulders. And that means that we have to create our new ways of being able to navigate the startup ecosystem, find pockets of funding and resources to be able to exceed and navigate in that startup space. But the circumstances are different. So they have to redefine fundraising from the culture, specifically in the communities that they exist in. And that's where Black Ambition comes in. And so we were actually preparing to raise for seed round and run our organization when an email came through uh, about this Black Ambition competition. And the only thing that stuck out to me was a million dollars. And I said, that's a lot of, you know, that's a lot of money. I didn't know even, I didn't know Pharrell was behind it. So when I, when I found out his name was behind it, I was like, man, this is legit. It was refreshing that it was specifically for people in our demographic, which was highly underrepresented, even after everything that was going on in society, it was just a nice thing to say, but nobody was like catering something specifically catered for us in that magnitude. Andre and Justin were excited about the prize, but they were a little late to the party. When we got to that email, it was the day that it was due. Time was ticking and they had to fill out an entire application. And Black Ambition's application is not just one page. Uh, We actually designed the application so that whether you win or not, you are stronger through the application process based off of the questions that we ask. And fortunately, they had just completed an accelerator with the Transparent Collective nonprofit, which turned out to be a massive help for the Black Ambition application. Uh, I always joke with Justin and Andre now that like, Y'all wait it to the last minute. Don't give other people advice to wait to the last 45 minutes. But the lesson out of that is if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready in moments where you can seize an opportunity within the last hour. And that's exactly what they were able to do. We were able to go through this program that tore our pitch deck and everything apart, helped us with our business plan, helped us you know, with um, our executive statement, all of these things that were important to our business. So when this thing was due that last day, 85, 80% of the stuff that we needed to submit, we had just completed. Talk about the stress. The Live Logistics team had the three T's in their application when we interviewed them along the process, team, traction, and tenacity. They also had a really good compelling story that allowed us as investors to see how we could help them along in the next stage of their journey. Along with having a really strong team, Understanding how they were going to build upon that team with our resources and our funding, they also just had a really great SaaS product. I admire that they didn't give up when they were faced with insurmountable challenges, because for a lot of early stage entrepreneurs, those exact same challenges would have broken them. All of that is what made them our top prize winners. We're excited to share that we have selected your team as the Black Ambition brand prize winner. (laughs) After Live Logistics was announced as grand prize winners, Justin and Andre got to meet with Pharrell Williams. We will be awarding your team, you're gonna love this, $1 million. Oh my God. And with $1 million going towards Live Logistics, Justin and Andre immediately felt the pressure. The day after we won, or maybe 10 minutes after Pharrell came on the screen, accountability hit us like a ton of bricks. Often people think fundraising is the big goal the end goal, but it's really just the beginning. After you raise is when the work really begins. To deliver on what you promised in your pitch, 
You want to get yourself and your investors an ROI, a return on investment. Literally, what Black Ambition did for us, the accelerant that happens is the brush was cleared out the way. A network was literally brought to us and was brought to the table. We still have to run this race. We still have to engage. Justin and Andre came into this business with just their big ideas and support from family and friends. Getting all this attention was very new. It was important for them to discern which attention was going to be beneficial to their business and which attention was just noise that would distract them from their goals. With the spotlight brought along by Black Ambition, the two got to be even more intentional about the company they were building and the company they'd be keeping. Black Ambition was the biggest like advocate for what we were doing that let the world know that, hey, these guys exist and what they're doing is amazing. You might want to check it out. A lot of people never knew we existed before Black Ambition, and I'm fine with that. I think that's one of the most gratifying things about how important Black Ambition is, that like as great of an idea it is and as great as our people are, we're talented in so many different ways. And it's okay to get help letting people know you exist. I think sometimes we feel like we got to let people know because we did it on our own and this is not the way society works. We get so many people right now who, who book meetings from our Black Ambition link who want to meet us because of Black Ambition. There are a lot of great opportunities. There's a lot of talented people, but the hype machine is real. The hype machine is real. And it reminds me of this quote from my mentor, disruption always follows intention and your best intention. And if you don't realize that, you'll quit in the middle of your assignment. And so sometimes the hype and the press and the notoriety is great because there's different sources of capital that you need to raise as an entrepreneur. Financial capital, political capital, and there's social capital and getting on the radar of the right people at the right time and key decision makers. But then there's also hype that's a distraction. And knowing what your intention is in the season of being an entrepreneur, do I need capital and financial capital in this moment? Do I need to raise social capital? And if I need to raise social capital, is it the right type of attention? Am I saying yes to the right meetings? And am I making sure I'm saying no to the meetings that do not fit our intentions with our company at the time? In their case, the hype was not exaggerated. Because that hype, what's behind it, is really a success story because, you know what, odds are against us when you look at the dollars that are going to invest in minority companies. It's not even, I mean, it, you know, it's less than 2%. And when you think about the current economic state, when you think about recession, when you look at how many Black-owned businesses went out of business during COVID, the gap is getting wider and wider and wider. So we feel, and we take it very personal, that, you know what, running a business by itself is hard enough. So how do you navigate and tell the difference between hype and opportunity? Justin has some advice. Your tight circle is really important. And, um, you know, it's it really, especially if you're letting new introductions into your tightness circle, because you want to make sure that you got people here who were here before all of that, you know, press clippings, all that stuff, to be uh, a beacon that you can, you know, um, help make sound decisions. I think it's really important for you to remember, like, the, the nature of why you started your business. Like, that's really important. But at the same time, you should have a team. Like, you need to, this is a marathon. Being a business owner is not for the faint of heart. There are days that you're not going to feel um, as amazing as other days. And you need to have people who support you. There's also days that people are going to try to get to you 
that you aren't going to see the same things other people are going to see. And people who are close to your, your network or your corner need to be there to help you assist in wise decisions. And then be careful. When money is involved, people are going to change. Anticipate that some things in your life are going to change. You can't hold two beliefs at the same time. You can't work hard towards success and then secretly believe that it won't happen for you. If you think it can happen for you, it will. If you think it won't happen for you, all these things will come around that are distractions from where you're trying to go. And neither Justin nor Andre suggest waiting until the last 43 minutes to submit an application, but they would urge you to take the leap and put your business out there. The best thing that you can do is, is put your idea up to scrutiny because whatever you build, it needs to be measured against something so you can learn. You're not building an end product or the product that you think you want to get out there to the marketplace, right? You're building a system or a process that gives you feedback on how good it is and how it really does address the need in the marketplace. And what Black Ambition will do will condense that timeline. They will accelerate your learning not only on the product itself, but how you approach it and how you, as a leader of that company, how you grow and develop that company and put you in front of the right people who can expand the way that you're looking at it, as we talked about success. So I would strongly encourage, I think if there's any hesitation for somebody who's like, oh, I don't know if I'll qualify, or I don't know how I will perform, just you pressing that submit button, you've gotten better. And I'll say this, it's, it's really easy for me to say after we won a million dollars, don't do it because of the million dollars. Like that's so easy. So I feel like that's just, nobody's gonna believe me if I say that. But I really mean like the the value, we're still experiencing the, the value and I don't know how many years from now we're actually gonna be able to, and if there ever is a, a time where we can measure the total impact of winning Black Ambition was for us, because I think it's, con it's continuously happening on a regular basis. And this is the kind of intentional moving that has characterized these guys' journeys from the beginning. Justin and Andre know how to stay grounded and focused, from being able to identify a problem to coming up with and testing solutions. Their journey is so inspiring. They were okay with accepting other people's help and support. They let themselves be hyped up, but without ever losing their sense of purpose and responsibility. That is what true ambition looks like. I'll leave you with this last story from Justin during his trip to the CXO Summit. And we had just closed our seat round. We we're talking about next steps for our organization. And we walk into this room and the stock market is plunging a little bit. And we walk in this room and it's all these investors with like these huge fund, funding rounds that we didn't even know existed. It's like this whole group. And in that entire room, we were one of maybe three black people. And the reason that we were able to step into that room and even get that opportunity was because of us winning the competition in Black Ambition. We don't get walked to that room when you think about all these things that had to happen. And we belong in that room. That's what I feel like being uninterrupted means. I am where I belong. On the next episode of So Ambitious, we'll be hearing from Naj Austin, the founder of Somewhere Good, an audio platform for intimate community conversations. I'm going to choose to do work that I wake up every day and I'm, I've dreamed about literally that night and I go to bed thinking about it, but not out of a like a hustle culture way, but because I'm so passionate about what I'm doing. That's next time on So Ambitious. 
To learn more about Livegistics, check out the show notes and be sure to subscribe, like, and rate to So Ambitious wherever you're listening right now. So Ambitious is a Black Ambition production brought to you by Heineken and co-produced by Moso House and You Had Me at Black. Our executive producers are Martina Abrahams Ilunga and Ivana Tucker. Samaya Adams is our supervising producer. This episode was produced by Jess Jupiter. Charlotte Morley is our associate producer. Our music is composed by Terrell Brooke. Sapphire Stubbs is our marketing consultant. Special thanks to Moses Shoyola at Other Tone. And Samia Malik, Christine Joseph, and Jermaine Sherman at Black Ambition. I'm your host, Felicia Hatcher. <laughs>